welcome to the Parker J. Cole Show. I am your host, the Queen Parker J. Thank you so much for joining me. Today, we're going to be talking to my returning guest co-host and contributor today, Michael Campbell. If you remember him, we talked about his two-book series, Journey to Faith, last time. And we also talked about political stuff the last time he was with us. So I'm so glad to have him back with us again as we showcase his new book, Life Lessons from David. Now, you may be thinking, what can we possibly learn from the book of David? And not the book of David, literally, but his life, his life, the Psalms, and a lot of other things that talks about David in the scriptures. So he's going to tell us all about it. We want to thank our Patreon team for their support. We have been showcasing Christian authors worldwide for the past nine years. And as God gives us grace, we'll continue to do so. To find out how you can help out, simply go to patreon.com slash write stuff and see what you can do. And as always, we covet your prayers. To stay subscribed to PJC Media, simply go to pjcmedia.net. Click that pink subscribe button and you'll never, ever have to miss a show. So let's go ahead and get started. Michael, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm fine. Thank you so much for joining me again on the show. As you already know, I always enjoy having you because you have wonderful insights into a plethora of things. And I want to talk about your new book called Life Lessons from David. But before I do that, I do want people to be reintroduced to you. So go ahead and tell them about yourself. Well, my name is Michael Campbell. I am a pastor, a teacher, a father, a husband, and I believe that we as believers, it is the Lord's will that we learn from his word, apply the principles to his word, and also realize that his word is his direct insight, his direct uh, benefit to us as believers. Even the Old Testament, lessons from the life of David, the lessons, as I began to get into to the lessons, I was so profound, and I was really overwhelmed with how God could use someone like David. And so that's what brings us to this point today. David is a very controversial character in the Bible because he was a good follower of the Lord, but a really awful person at times. <laughs> However, we still have his story told to us throughout the generations. So before we get into the book itself, go ahead and tell us what was the germ of the idea that brought this about? Well, a few years ago, we had done a study uh, men's group on First Samuel. And we were just talking about David and how he felt, you know, like David had some very high highs and very low lows. But I just thought it was, it was interesting how David shows us how does God choose a person and what are the qualifications when God wants to do a great thing. And I think David gives us a beautiful analogy, a story of everyone who's ever been rejected, anyone who's ever felt like they didn't have what it, to do what God needed them to do. And so that's really what kind of motivated me. And as, as I begin into it more, I begin to see how God can use anybody, but there's a system that God has that is very similar to everyone being used of God. So, Exactly. And I like that you said how every, God can use anyone and from all sorts of different backgrounds. And like I said earlier, he is a controversial figure of the scriptures, but we still tell his story because there's so much more to him than his failures, but who he depends on in the midst of his failures and his successes. And so the way the book is outlined here is that you talk about a particular lesson and then you go into the story of David. And so I want to talk about that really quickly. Why did you feel that this particular format would be helpful for the reader when they pick up your book, Life Lessons from David? Well, because I believe that everyone's life is a lesson to a degree. Even a person who does something wrong, you know what not to do. So even that is a lesson. 
I think the lessons of David were so universal, so timeless. Like I said before, the lessons of David, they are a system by which God can use anyone to do anything who is committed. Now, when you think about it, when most people, when they say, the Lord has called me, they're saying it from a perspective of, hey, I'm motivated, I'm passionate about this. But David shows us the importance of doing normal things well, lowly jobs well. And I think that's a lesson. I think if I can encourage someone who's working at McDonald's, you may be flipping a hamburger today, but tomorrow you could be the CEO. And I think that's exactly what David teaches us, that it really doesn't matter where you come from. It really doesn't matter your past. It really doesn't matter that people have rejected you. If God be for you, who can be against you? I love that. And that just really resonated with me when you just said he gives us the lesson about doing even menial or low paying jobs well, because no one would have thought that David, the shepherd boy, would be the king of Israel. We all remember the story of how Samuel came looking for the next king because Saul had fallen out of favor with the Lord because of his disobedience. And Samuel kept looking at one brother, kept looking at two, and he said, that ain't it. And then he was like, well, is there anyone else here? And just speak to the power of that particular lesson right there. Well, again, I think the Lord is very deliberate in how he does what he does. And I think the lessons of that is that anybody who looked at the life of David, who felt unworthy, who felt rejected, would be comforted to know that people can't disqualify you. People can't determine your future. People can't say you will never because God is greater than that. And so for me, I think that's one of the things that the lessons of David teaches me over. And it's a resounding message because during that time, Parker, to be the youngest child was something was similar to being a servant. So David had no chance at all at being the king. When Samuel went to Jesse's house, all of Jesse's sons were called out and didn't work out. But yet David being the youngest child, the last person who would ever be used by God, according to tradition, God used him greatly. I want to speak to anyone who feels like you don't have what it takes and you feel that God uses special people. I'm going to say the people that God uses, he makes them special. Hey, man, that was preach. I wish I had a church fan right now. I'd throw it at you. And it's actually coming from lesson 18 of your book, Life Lessons. Lessons from the Life of David. I got life lessons from David. Sorry. It's lessons from the life of David. And you got three takeaway points from this, what you just said. The first is don't allow people's opinions to dictate your life. The second point is become creative. During his lonely time in the field, David used his creativity. And the third point is have impact, whether great or small, seen or unseen. Now, there's more to these points that Mike shared with us. So I want you to go ahead and pick up your copy of Lessons from the Life of David, which is available at Amazon.com. Now, there's another lesson in here that we need to learn, too, because these lessons help us to use the life of David and apply that life to us. Like you were saying earlier in the broadcast, just said, hey, David is highly relatable. Let's go ahead and look at Lesson 11, the reason God can use foolish and weak things. Let's talk about that lesson, and that's on page 39 of your book, in case you need to just get to that part real quick. Well, I think that the only thing that disqualifies us from being used by God is our pride. And I think pride is something that, in a sense, it tells God that we don't need him. We can do it apart from him. And so the reason that the Lord uses weak and foolish things is because those weak and foolish things, they become dependent upon the God to accomplish his purpose. I think one of the things that David teaches us is that your lack of ability 
can become an asset when we understand who our source comes from. You know, when we're a baby, our parents, they carry us, they feed us, they take care of us. But when we become grown, we don't need our earthly parents to help us. Well, spiritually speaking, we need to be in a place where we're always dependent upon the Lord. One of the things that I'm learning at the two, I'm learning that whenever God calls me to do anything, I must be dependent upon him. God is the only person that we can be totally dependent upon 24-7. But the only problem with that, Parker, is that we have to voluntarily renew that need of dependence upon him for everything. Because God can use weak and foolish things, realize that, God, if you don't show up, I can't do this. Lord, if you don't help me, see, I don't have natural ability. I don't have anything that I can say, Mike, you're good at this, you're good at that. My only ability is my Lord and Savior. And so David was a beautiful lesson to know that God can use anybody who has two strikes against him, who doesn't have education. God is saying, in spite of that, I still can use you if you are willing. If you acknowledge who you are and you acknowledge who I am, then the two of us can do whatever we need to do. Paul said it another way. Paul said that I can do all things through Christ. Paul was a very educated man. Paul was a Pharisee. Paul had the religious clout. He was born into the tribe of Benjamin. So Paul was saying that all these things that I was born into compared to who I am in Christ, I want to lay them aside. Paul was not rejoicing in who he was genetically, he was rejoicing in the fact that spiritually he had been born again. And because of that being born again meant that he now had the power of Almighty God and is available to him anytime he needed him. So the Lord can use weak and foolish things because those weak and foolish things realize that they don't have any other way to do anything apart from God enabling them to do what he's called them to do. There are some other lessons that you go into in this book, Lessons from the Life of David. And one of the lessons is one that I currently am struggling with right now. And it's lesson eight, page 30. And it says the importance of waiting on God. And you say here, the importance of waiting on the Lord may be one of my favorite lessons from the life of David. Waiting can be one of the hardest things the Lord asks us to do. What does waiting on the Lord mean? And so you go into it from there, but I'm pretty sure there are others within our listening audience that are also waiting on the Lord to do something in their life, whether it's a move from one financial level to another, whether it's prayer for a loved one who may be wayward, whether it's from addiction, whether it's from anything, they are waiting on the Lord to move. How does David help us to understand the importance of waiting on the Lord? Well, David was anointed king at the age of 17. But it took him about 13 years for him to assume the role as a king. And I think during that period of waiting, the Lord was developing within David character, wisdom, experience. Again, David was able to see what to do, what what not to do, because he had a king who, instead of embracing David, he rejected David, and he felt David was a threat. So while waiting, David was able to develop confidence, a security, a trust. In God, which he couldn't develop any other way. David was gifted a king, but character had to be developed. And so often we bypass, we, we see a person who's gifted, but they lack character. So in those seasons of waiting and developing, God was allowing David to mature, to become sensitive, to become a man of reason, but also to teach all of us who are in a waiting period that it's not too late. 
And there were many discouragements David had to consistently overcome. So I don't know. I think a lot of people who may be listening may be discouraged. You may be waiting on something you know is the will of God, and you feel like it's too late. It's over. My time has passed. Well, David is a great encouragement to know that when you are waiting on the Lord, there's purpose, there's meaning. And I think one of the things, I use some acronyms to describe waiting. One of the things I think waiting does is it enables us to truly understand the will of God. You know, it's easy to say, Lord, I believe, I want, I should, I think. But waiting like nothing else will cause us to desire and sift through our motives to understand, Lord, what is your will for me at this season of my life? Again, David was a very young man. He wasn't an old 50-year-old man. He was in his early teens and 20s, but yet God had him wait to understand the Lord's will and purpose for his life. We also go into another lesson here, and it's Lesson 14. And I want to let our listeners know, when you pick up your copy of Lessons from the Life of David, these lessons are not really long chapters. They're not poems of information. For one thing, Michael likes to keep it direct and simple. That's one thing I've come to appreciate you, Michael, that you don't have to soliloquize. <laughs> soliloquize everything. You can just make it simple and direct because people's attention spans change and they're different. They want to kind of need what they need right when they need it. You know what I mean? But right here in this lesson 14, you say the battle belongs to the Lord. And this must be resonating with some of our listeners out there that you are struggling for something or you may be fighting an injustice. You may be fighting unfairness. You may be fighting bigotry. You may be fighting persecution in some manner. And yet you say here, the battle belongs to the Lord. What's one of the lessons or one of the things we can get from this particular lesson? Well, I want to say that's conditional. The battle belongs to the Lord when you become a child of the Lord's. All of us are born into the world, but not all of us are God's children. I'm going to say that again. David was a believer in the God of Israel. In order to be a part of a military, you have to be drafted in the military or you must freely enlist. So the battle belongs to the Lord if you are the Lord's, if you belong to him, if you're fighting for his cause. David said, is there not a cause when he saw the Philistine giant? Everybody around him was afraid. But David had courage. So the battle belongs to the Lord when the Lord is infusing you or empowering you to do what you couldn't do apart from yourself. So the battle belongs to the Lord, number one, when you belong to the Lord. Number two, when you have a a righteous cause. And number three, when you realize that only what you do for the Lord will last. David wasn't trying to become a king. David was trying to defend the honor of God. And so when the battle belongs to the Lord, it's not about us. We're not, David wasn't fighting his agenda. He was fighting God's agenda. And so when you fight God's agenda, the Lord will empower you to do what you need to do. When you belong to a military, do you know that the weapons, the guns, the military, food, everything that they give you is given to you by the army because you're fighting for the government. Any and everything God gives you to fight his battle will be supernaturally given because you can't do it apart from him. But when you enlist into his army, that gives you the power, the ability to fight for him. You're not fighting your battle, but you're fighting his battle. And I want to read a quick excerpt from this particular lesson. It says this, David wasn't looking for a fight when he showed up to bring his brother's lunch and found out about Goliath's threats. However, David was fully prepared. 
In order to defeat your giant, you never fight the giant on his terms. Goliath was a close-range fighter, skilled in hand-to-hand combat. Goliath towered over David. He was at least 8 feet 5 inches tall, suited in body armor from head to toe, as noted in 1 Samuel 17, John Gill's Exposition of the Bible. And it says here, and he had a helmet of brass upon his head. This was a piece of armor which covered the head in the day of battle. These were usually made of the skins of beasts of leather and were covered with plates of iron or brass and sometimes made of all iron or of brass as it seems to have been. And then you go on and you say here, David, a shepherd boy, fought Goliath from a distance with a slingshot and a rock. And then in parentheses, you say Jesus. David would have been at a disadvantage had he fought Goliath on his terms. Instead, he used his God-given ability and his faith in the Lord to have victory. And that's just an excerpt from one of the lessons in Lessons from the Life of David available on Amazon.com. But that last part brings me to what I want us to kind of close on as we give hints of this book to our listeners. And that's the parallel between David and Jesus. When they read that lesson, which is a two-parter, just give us a hint of what they'll learn about it. Well, first of all, they both were kings without a kingdom. But Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight. And I think that's profound to realize that sometimes we define success as the finished product, but oftentimes God defines success as everything that leads to success. And so I think it's important to realize some of your listeners may feel like they don't have what it takes. They have missed their opportunity. But David and Jesus both teaches us that it really doesn't matter where you come from. It really matters what the Lord has called you to do. Number two is that one of the things that's so profound about they both were born in Bethlehem. And Bethlehem is a very dirty, stinky, smelly place. It wasn't a place that you would want your child to be born in. It was born maybe like Southeast D.C., or some low, dirty town in Mexico. And I think that's significant because there are a lot of people today who feel like they were born on the wrong side of town. There were a lot of people who may wonder, can God use me? Can I do anything that has any eternal value? Well, with the mere fact that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and David were both born on the outskirts of town or in a place where it was not known, it wasn't a great place of notoriety. But from that place of being a base, God would allow two of the greatest men to ever live to be born there, which brings me to this point that it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what your last name is. It doesn't matter that you don't have the economical or financial prestige. God is able to take the low things, the base things, and make great things out of them. Also, David and Jesus, they both were kind to people. They were able to help people who had been rejected. You know, as a king, most kings only wanted around them people who were perfect, who were strong. But Jesus would minister not just to the rich. He would minister to the poor, to the needy, to the discouraged. David became a captain of all the people who had been brokenhearted, all the people that were bankrupt. David became a leader of the brokenhearted. Man, you think about this. In most cases, people who are discouraged, they need encouragement. And so David and Jesus both gave hope to the hopeless. So if you're hopeless today, if you are discouraged today, if you're wondering, is there any opportunity for me to get from this place where I'm at to the next level? If you believe 
and the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If you accept God's friend request through his son, Jesus Christ, you become a member of this family. And God can take the broken pieces of your life like David. And again, Jesus, the Bible said there was no beauty that we should desire from him. He was rejected. He was a man of sorrow, acquainted with grief, but yet he became a savior. He became to save the very thing that you are in need of. See, a savior, he became a bridge. And so David and Jesus, they both were encouragers of people who needed help. You know, if I want to become a part of a social club, if I want to become a part of anything of prestige, they would look at my credit. They would look at my history. They would look at my financial statements. In most cases, they would say, Mr. Campbell, you don't qualify to be a member of this society. You can't become a member of this tennis club. You don't have what it takes. But Jesus and David, they both were kind to people. And they brought about salvation to a world that was lost. And these are just some of the things you're going to hear and read when you pick up your copy of Lessons from the Life of David. I'm so glad that you were led to write this book and to share what you learned through your Bible study with others. And how have people responded to this book? It's been very encouraging. It's been very, I got two uncles who uh, I honor this book with my uncles that both one of my uncles was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer and another uncle uh, lost his leg and I dedicated to them and they were very encouraged by it. And I think as people has begun to read the book, it's been an eye opener. And so that's been encouraging. It, it made everything that they said, it made it worth it, but also it ministered to me as well. So it's been a byproduct. Them reading the book and them being blessed by it is only added to what it's done for me as well. What are you working on next? Well, I, I just finished a book called Journey to the King. It's talking about the Magi, their journey to go see the baby Jesus. And I give a, I kind of deal with it from the perspective of what would it be like for Mary to have told Joseph that she was pregnant? And how would Joseph respond? And how would Mary's mother and father respond? How would society respond to the fact that Mary was pregnant without the aid of a husband? And I kind of talk about that and the Magi and what it would have been like to see a star and just, just the journey. And I was, my editor, she, she really hasn't written, other than the lessons of the life of Dave, she really hasn't really liked much of what I've written, but she really, she liked this book so far, which is very encouraging. But again, I mean, I, I just want to tell a story and I just want to, because I think that, and even Zachariah and Elizabeth, when you think about how God took someone who was too old, according to her biological time clock, but yet God was able to bring about a miracle. I think a lot of people need to know that God can still give you a miracle. And I think God wants me to convey to them that it's not too late. What do you think your expected publication date is going to be? Well, that's going to be a Christmas story. So I'm hoping to maybe within the next month and a half, because I really want it to become a traditional Christmas story, a classic traditional story. I like the idea of giving Joseph a voice because we hear a lot about Mary, but Joseph is usually off to the side drinking coffee while everyone's talking about Mary. So I love to have stories about Joseph. We actually showcased a fictional story about Joseph where he had to protect Mary. And there's this killer cover of Joseph with like this hammer and he's protecting Mary behind him. So it almost looks like a superhero. So yeah, I like stories about Joseph because Joseph is silent 
very often and everything. So I appreciate you coming from that perspective. Can't wait to showcase it on the show as well. So let me know when that's ready. And I'd love to get a copy of that. In the few moments we have left, tell people how they can connect with you online. Well, if you go on Amazon, you can check out my books and Journey to Faith 1, Journey to Faith 2, Lessons from the Life of David. And you can go and there's a link and you can email me. We can hopefully correspond, and I hope anyone enjoy Lessons from the Life of David. But uh, currently, my wife and I, we are still, Lessons Journey to Faith is doing well. A lot of people are really encouraged by what we were able to do with that. And prayerfully, we are, my wife, it'd be wonderful if Journey to Faith could become a church. So that's our prayer. We believe that the Lord is calling us to possibly start a church. And um, so that that's where we are. Amen. Let me know how that goes. I want to be part of that in some way. Let me know how to go. So I'm excited for you, Michael, for the, what the Lord is doing for you. And I'm so thankful you took time to be on our show today. Well, thank you very much. And we were talking today to Michael Campbell. He is the author of the book, Lessons from the Life of David, which is available on Amazon.com. Make sure you go ahead and pick up your copy today. As you can tell, he is so passionate about teaching you what the Bible says about regular people doing extraordinary things. It doesn't matter where you're from. As long as you let the Lord use you as he's going to use you, you won't be discouraged and you won't have made a mistake. Thank you so much for joining me for this edition of the Parker J. Cole Show. You have a wonderful, absolutely glorious, blessed day. And God bless.